Come on, let's just give Jesus a shout of praise tonight. Let's honor the King. Come on, keep praising Him. He's worthy. In Jesus' name, if you love Him, shout Amen. 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 You guys can take your seats. I had to get you guys to shout. I still had a mint in my mouth, so I had to get you for a little bit longer. Quickly, I'm chewing it. But also, we were praising God at the same time. You guys good? Are you happy tonight? It's so good to be here. I just want to thank uh, Steve and Bex and just the whole Elam uh, leadership team for having me. And, and can, do you know you guys have great leaders in this church? So can we just honor them and just thank God for them? And uh, it's super awesome to be in New Zealand. You guys are a blessed nation. I just spent the last six days driving across the South Island and uh, it's next level. Like I think we've found the original garden. I mean, it's like, man, I, I, I knew New Zealand was beautiful. I've been here like over 10 times, but I've never like that. Like, it's amazing. I went all the way from Christchurch up to like Greymouth and a little bit further and all the way down the West Coast, down and then all the way to Queenstown and then all the way back up to Christchurch in five days. That was a lot of driving. <laughs> we had a good time. So who, you can just thank God for your nation. Just thank you, God. Really thank Him for it. It's, it's important to be thankful for the nation that God's placed you in. Because when you're thankful for it, you'll, you'll put your heart into it. And, and you won't just see what your nation can do for you, but you'll realize as a believer, you get to do something for your nation as well. Amen. And, uh, and so it's an awesome nation. And, and again, my name's Joel. I, uh, we have a work in South Africa. Any South Africans here? Uh, I know. I know half of Pretoria lives in Auckland, so, um, and, uh, and then the other half live in Brisbane, so, so it's okay. Uh, but uh, we, we have a work over there in South Africa called Awaken Africa, and uh, we're having a really good time over there destroying hell, because uh, who knows we're called to destroy hell. And uh, that's, that's sort of part of our mandate, is to destroy the works of the devil. And, and so I love that, and uh, it's been an awesome time. We sort of launched the ministry early last year, and in, in, in a period of over eight months, we saw close to 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Uh, we've seen countless uh, testimonies of miraculous healings and literally just pulling demons out of people, uh, which is awesome. And uh, you know, there are demons in Africa, but there's also demons in New Zealand. And we also have to deal with those demons. So we're gonna get to that in a minute. But we're having an awesome time and our vision for Africa uh, is to see Africa set on fire with the gospel so that the world can watch a continent burn for Jesus. And, uh, and I really quickly just wanna show a quick little video of some of the stuff we did up in Kenya and then we're gonna get into the message. Let's have a look at that video. Thanks, guys. Hey, she's from your country. Cass. You make the world 
Thank you. So we're having a good time. You saw the big guy with the beard, the really good dancer, the red, the red beard. He's our missions director over there, and uh, we've nicknamed him Satan Slayer uh, for good reason, if you, yeah, really. And anyway, we're not, in, we're not in Africa now, but if you want to follow the journey, feel free. But tonight we're in New Zealand, right? And can I tell you, God's given me a vision for New Zealand. Can I tell you what it is? To see New Zealand set on fire with the gospel so that the world can watch a nation burn for Jesus. Did you know you, this nation belongs to Jesus? This nation was destined to burn for Jesus. And, uh, and, and I believe that we are in the greatest times of the church of Jesus Christ that we have ever been in before in human history. I, I know it because I can sense it, because, but I know it because Scripture tells us that God goes from glory to glory to glory. When He's not going backwards. He doesn't advance and then go back. He's continuing to push forward. And you know, we, we, we're stepping into the days of revival, but who knows that the revival we're gonna see today is not gonna be the same as the revival we saw yesterday. It's not gonna be the same as the one that we saw in the 80s, although I wish it were. Because I'm a little bit old school. I like when everyone's falling over. I like when people are laughing and everyone's like, oh, it's a kundalini spirit because they're laughing. You know, have you, you guys ever seen that stuff? Anyway. It's funny how, how religious we get as Christians and we just call so many things spirits and really it's a spirit of religion that's speaking and that one needs to be cast out and not the other one. Anyway, look, I don't wanna get talking too much about demons because I know in 2019 demons also a swear word in church as well because we've forgotten that the devil's real. <laughs> I, mean, I don't have time to speak the message I, I wanted to talk tonight called the devil is a lie. You saw his cool t-shirt. But the, the, the truth is that we're in the greatest days of the church of New Zealand, and you get to be a part of it. You know, I know you guys are in a series at the moment called Around the Supernatural. Do you know, I love that it's a series, but did you know it should be a lifestyle? Did you know that we serve a very supernatural God? 
Like, if, if you've not read your Bible recently, did you know that our God has stopped the sun once so that Joshua could win a war? Like, he stopped the actual sun. Like, sometimes we forget the God that we're serving. Like, he, 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 he parted the Red Sea. He, 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 we sang in the song, you know, he put three young men in a fire and they didn't burn, but the ones who threw him in did. Like we serve this God who's very supernatural. In fact, he even used the mouth of a donkey to talk. Like we, we use these as illustrations, but these are actual things that happen in the book that we say we believe. And so often we think the supernatural is a subject, but we have to recognize the supernatural is part of the life of an everyday believer. Supernatural, superior to the natural, which means we don't live according to human wisdom, which means we don't live according to human limitations. You know, I was preaching once in, in a city called Adelaide in Australia, and I was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I was talking about how uh, they were sitting there praying, and, and all of a sudden the place began to shake, like, a, like an, and this mighty rushing wind came in. And as I was talking, uh, saying it, this building that we were in, a huge auditorium, the lights went out, and the building began to shake. Now, some of us could just say, whoa, what a coincidence which like in some ways feels like, yeah, what a coincidence. Or we serve a supernatural God, superior to the natural. You know, I, have, I think as believers, we should stop giving so much credit to coincidence. The problem is we're too puffed up in knowledge. We're too wound up in information. And I wanna tell you, when information becomes your God rather than the revelation of Scripture, you will find yourself in a place of pride and a place of trying to understand everything and you will never understand everything about a God who took a piece of dirt, breathed into it, and we came into existence. Like, I know there are big questions and I'm not against trying to understand them as to the best of our ability, but you're never gonna know who created God. You know, like that question, like, well, who created God? I don't know, and neither will you. It's not, you can't figure that out. But we get so caught up in trying to know everything. You know, I had this thought just the other day, like we as preachers will say in John 3, 16, this is what the Scripture said, because we want everyone to know that we know the exact Scripture about the verse that we quoted to make sure everyone knows we're really intelligent. In Scripture, they don't do that. When they quote Scripture, they just quote it because it's in them. It's written on their hearts. You know, you can, you, can, you can say scriptures all the time because you've studied them or you can have them so inside of you that you live them. You become a living epistle. You know, I'm just trying to provoke a little bit that there's something about a believer that should be superior to the natural life that we live in. You know, angels are real. Has anyone ever seen an angel? I haven't. But I have lots of friends who have. You know, demons are real. Has anyone ever seen a demon? Yeah, probably lots of you. You just don't want to put your hand up. It's amazing how many people have actually seen them. And only when you get in a safe space can they actually share about the things that they're seeing. Because in modern day Christianity, you're considered a super spiro if you talk about those things. You know, I want to be a super spiro. 
Like, I'm a spirit being. I'm a supernatural son of God, and so are you. And I'm sick of this super spiro nonsense. We need to be a people that live superior to the natural realm. Because why would they want what we have if it looks exactly like what they have? We just have a few more rules attached to it. It's called legalism and law. Come on, I'm telling you, it's time for the church to rise up in our destiny as supernatural sons and daughters of the living God who live superior to this natural life. Anybody want to be a supernatural believer here tonight? So I'm just, I'm just racing because I've got a very short amount of time and I'm, I'm going to try and light a fire in your hearts because more than just a message in a moment, we want a people of God who take the message into our generation, into this nation, amen? You know, it's like there's a scripture in the book of uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 22, and it's, it's Peter speaking about just after they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit in the upper room where they all started laughing and they got the kundalini spirit put in them. And, and, and tongues of fire came on their head, actual flames, supernatural. They were in there and, and they, they came rolling out of this room and everybody began to say they're drunk. They've been drinking. This is where Peter, you know this story, right? Peter's like, they are not drunk as you suppose. He didn't say they're not drunk. He just said they're not drunk as you suppose. Meaning they, they weren't acting Normal. They weren't acting like everybody else. But he goes on to talk about how the, the prophet Joel prophesied that it shall come to pass in those days, says the Lord, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He then goes on, and this, this is right after this moment, and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as you, as you yourselves also know. He says, men of Israel, listen. This is Jesus of Nazareth, a man who attested by God, which means a man who was proven to you by God through miracles, signs and wonders. Meaning God decided to prove to humanity who His Son was by miracles, signs, and wonders, things that are superior to the natural because a natural man cannot do more than another natural man, but a supernatural man, the Son of God, was proven to humanity by miracles, signs, and wonders. How are we as the church of Christ going to prove to the world that we serve a real living God? Not through arguing through historical documents. Look, and again, I'm not opposed to those things. I studied the Scripture. In another message, I'll give you a whole sermon on reading the Word of God and how you should do that and how you should study it and understand it. But don't let it just be study for study's sake. You know, in Denmark, I was just there recently, and there are people who work in churches as pastors of clergies who don't even believe in God. They just do the study and become a pastor. They can just get a job. And it's totally acceptable because it's become so carnal. It's just another thing. Look, I love Scripture. I love history. But I want to tell you, we need to be a people that carry something more than just information. We are a supernatural people, people who are superior to the natural. 
You know, I was in South Africa last year and we were holding some meetings and God was moving really powerfully and we began to pray for the sick because who knows that God heals the sick? You know, it's God's desire to heal the sick. Can I tell you, it's God's will to heal the sick. Can I tell you, I know it's God's will to heal the sick because Jesus is the will and nature of God revealed, Scripture says, and everywhere Jesus went, He went around healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. So if Jesus is the will of God revealed, and He went around healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil, then that says to me that it's the will of God to heal all those who are sick and oppressed of the devil. I understand the topic of healing can be very controversial and sometimes if we've lost someone or if we've prayed for someone who's not been healed, how difficult that journey is. But let me just touch this really quickly. If you've prayed for somebody and they've not been healed or you've had somebody pray for someone you love and they've not been healed or you've been prayed for and you haven't been healed, is not a good enough reason for us to determine that it's not God's will to heal the sick. Because the truth is, is it's God's will and desire that all would be saved. He desires that not one would perish, the scriptures, that all would be saved. And if I give an altar call for salvation, and there are 20 unsaved people in the room, and 11 of them get saved, and the other nine don't, does that mean that it's not God's desire that they would be saved? In the same way, we just have to continue to believe, and I understand that can be hard. I understand there are some things that we have to just put up here in a box called mystery, which we don't understand, but be very careful not to move it from the box of mystery into the box of the sovereignty of God. Because when we put it from mystery into the sovereignty of God, we create a picture of a God who picks and chooses who He does and doesn't want to heal according to how He feels in the moment. I understand, we, we can't have every answer. I, I, like my grandmother passed away last year from Parkinson's disease, yet I've seen people healed of cancer, I've seen blind eyes open, I've seen uh, you know, crazy things happen. I, I don't sit there and go, well, they got healed, my grandma didn't, and then I don't conclude that it was God's will to kill my grandmother through Parkinson's disease, even though it hurts that she's gone. I don't get to do that. I do get to put it here and say, God, I need to understand some stuff. I need to learn a little bit more stuff. I wanna, but I, I, can, I, can I just say that for a minute? I say that because I talk a lot about healing and I know the topic can really rub some people the wrong way who have been through some serious loss. I, I understand the difficulty, but I wanna tell you, Jesus is the will and nature of God revealed. Jesus went around healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. And Jesus is my standard, not my experience. Because if, 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 if my experience was my standard, then I'd still be a sinner because sometimes we might sin. If my experience was my standard, but we sang again in the song that we're no longer slaves to sin. And so Jesus is my standard, so we live according to His blood and what He accomplished for us. And even when we don't experience it, it doesn't change the reality and the truth of what He accomplished on the cross for us and what's available to us. We serve a supernatural God. Back to the lady in South Africa. We got there. She came to this meeting and we were praying for people and she was one of them. She came down. She'd actually flown in from a different city just for the meeting. And, uh, and, and, and so I prayed for this lady and the power of God touched her and she fell over on the floor and 
I think it's quite rude to sleep in the middle of a praying place, but she felt it appropriate. Anyway, we continued on with the meeting, and after the meeting, she comes up to me. She says, I need to tell you something. And I said, okay. And she, she said, well, when you prayed for me, I, I fell over on the floor, and I laid there for, she said, I don't know, around 20, 30 minutes. And she said, then I got up, and my face was all tingly on the left side of my face. And she thought, I concluded that that must have been because that's the side that I was laying on. She said, but then I remembered that I don't have any feeling in that side of my face. She said, what had happened is that I've been in a car accident 20 years ago. And because of that car accident, I, I lost all the feeling in my face. I have a metal plate in this side of my face. Now, let me just preface here. Some stories that I tell are very hard to believe. <laughs> you have two choices. You can either believe me or not believe me. I'm fine with either. I'll just tell you I'm not a liar. The devil is a liar. <laughs> Evan, the beard, he says, if you lie, you fry. So <laughs> I don't want to fry. She said, I, I've had this metal plate in my face for 20 years and I've had no feeling. She goes, but I can feel all the feeling coming back. And I said, well, that's amazing. You know, someone's still shocked. And I said, is there a way you better tell if the metal plate is there? And she said, well, yeah, there's, there's screws in my cheek here. And I said, can you just rub it, just check? And so she began rubbing her, her cheek here where the screws were. And she's looking at me and she's like, I can't feel them. And I said, Sue, could you feel them this morning? And she's like, yes, I've had them for 20. If you had it for 20 years, you know. She said, I can't feel them anymore. And I said, well, that's amazing. God's taking the metal out of your face. Isn't that cool? <laughs> you know, like people say, well, where does the metal go? I don't know. <laughs> she said, but that's not it. She's like, I also lost my sense of smell and my sense of taste. And I can, I'm starting to smell things that I haven't smelt in a long time. And she's like, I can taste something in my mouth. She said, in fact, you know, I have so much metal in my body from that accident that when I walk through the African metal detectors, they go off. And that sounds funny. And she's like, they tell me it won't go off, but it goes off every single time. She's like, it's actually rather invasive and frustrating to have to be pulled aside every time. And look, they probably wouldn't go off in New Zealand. But sometimes in Africa, things run a little bit differently or a little bit, <laughs> little bit behind in some ways. In other ways, they're far advanced, meaning they're not as carnal as we can be in the West. Anyway, she said, I'm really excited to go through the metal detector. And honestly, I was like, oh, that's really cute thinking, you know, that's a pretty serious miracle. It's funny how we can sometimes limit what God can do because we forget that He's a supernatural God. We forget that he's the God that looked at the universe void and empty and went, huh, I'm bored. Let me create a universe. We forget that's the God that we serve. And I know it's like we can like, yes, but like really think about it. And so she's like excited. So, so the next day she, she goes on her plane and her son was telling me the story that she went through and 
She walked through that, that metal detector, and for the first time in 20 years, it didn't go off. So he said that she actually was so excited, she turned around, went back through just to double check, and went through again. Yeah. Somebody gets it. That's crazy. That is supernatural. That is superior to how normal people live. She got home and sent through the testimony of what God did that night. You see, she did have that metal plate disappear out of her face. She did have a, her smell and taste return. She had a stomach issue, meaning she couldn't eat certain things because of the accident that she can now eat. She said, I also had my ankle fused back together. If you don't know what that is, in the accident, her ankle, her foot almost ripped completely off and they had to fuse the foot back together so it would stay there. But when they do that, it looks normal, but it doesn't work normal. It's like that, but you can't move it. And she said, and so I obviously haven't been able to run. She's like, but all week I've been running on my treadmill for the first time in 20 years. We serve a supernatural God. And again, this is where I like to just push a little bit because I know there are people in here who are good, wonderful, Jesus-loving people, and some of you are like, that is amazing. And some of you are like, that's really hard to believe. And some of you are like, no way. And you know, neither of those is wrong. I understand them all because I was a born again believer leading worship to thousands of people around the world. And my statement would have been, God does miracles through doctors today. That's just the way that he works. Until God shows you something different. Until you get an understanding that I cannot make sense of how that happened in that person's body. All I know is that after 20 years, she has no gain in telling me a big, fat lie. We serve a supernatural God. Another story was a young girl. We were holding some meetings out in the more rural town down near Durban, South Africa. And I've joked a lot about demons tonight, but the truth is they're real. They're superior to the natural world. Well, maybe they're not. We shouldn't even put them in the supernatural category, should we? Because they're not superior to the natural. They're much lesser than God's creation. But whether we like them or not doesn't make them not real. You ever heard of C.S. Lewis? He's a statement that says the greatest lie the devil ever told the world is that he doesn't exist. He's created a generation of people who live life every day as if the devil's not real. Now, I don't think you should live every day thinking about the devil and how real he is. But I do think you would be wise according to Scripture that says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you were walking in a game park in South Africa and there was a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you want to survive, you ought to pay attention to the lion. Not because you love the lion, not because you're glorifying the lion, not because you're afraid of the lion, but because if you don't pay attention, he will get you. Did you know we have to recognize that Satan is real 
and he's robbing people of living their best lives. He, he creeps in and he gives, you know, in, in certain parts, like in Africa, there's, this, there's just blatant witchcraft over there. You know, like there's just blatant animal sacrifices to ancestral gods. There's like just blood covenants happening. That stuff's pretty like black and white. These, like I remember one young guy, we were praying for him and my friend, Satan Slayer, <laughs> uh, we were praying and this guy was started manifesting and, and, and he said, God gave him a word of knowledge and he said, right now, I'll break the blood covenant that your parents made to you for these witch doctors. And as he said it, this young boy began to vomit up and inside his vomit was blood. Crazy, I know, but it's real. Like we, we have to recognize this, not that we can glorify Satan, but that we can be aware that we are supernatural sons and daughters of God. And according to scripture, we've been given authority over all the power of the evil one. You see, so many Christians are afraid of demons because we don't understand who we are and what we've been called to do. Because if you think you are less powerful than the demonic, then of course you should be afraid of it. You know, people say to me, Joel, you know, what if you pray for someone and, and they have like a spirit of lust? Or what if someone prays for you and they have a spirit of lust? You know, they're transferring things. You ever heard of that where a demon can jump across and maybe you have it now, everyone's like, can it? The demonic will take whatever landing pad you give it. If you wanna have a lust problem, keep looking at the stuff on the computer. If you wanna keep your lust problem, but look Christian, stop watching blatant pornography and watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, you think it's appropriate for a Christian to watch Game of Thrones. Consider this your correction and rebuke. If Jesus was sitting there watching it with you, how would you feel? Like, do you think he's cool with you watching his daughter do what she's doing on that TV screen while her life is broken, while she's messed up in drugs, looking for attention, and there you are being entertained by what Jesus paid a price for her to be free from? Listen, it's not religion, it's freedom. I'm not here to talk about Game of Thrones. A lot of people don't like me now because... Now every time you continue doing it, now you're gonna think of it and go, oh, Joel, shouldn't watch this. <laughs> Don't worry about me. Worry about the little demon trying to land on your heart to keep you bound by pornography the rest of your life. This demonic will take whatever landing pad you give it. If you give it fear, it'll land on it. So this person said to me once, you know, Joel, you let people pray for you. I'm like, of course, anyone can pray for me. He's like, but what if they've got a spirit of lust? And I said, well, I... I hope that when they put their hands on me, the thing jumps out of them. Because I'm not afraid of it jumping on me. Because I understand I have authority over it. You have to understand, you're a supernatural son and daughter of the living God, endued with the Holy Spirit and power. The same anointing that was on Jesus' life is on your life. And He went around doing good, destroying the works of the devil. Stop being afraid of the demonic and recognize the devil is under your feet. He's a cut off, withering branch and you have power and authority over him. You know, it puts names on things like anxiety. Anxiety is a spirit of fear. Stop carnalizing it for a minute. Now, I'm not saying if you suffer with anxiety, you are demon possessed. I'm saying it's a spirit of fear that has landed on your life and if you let it stay, it will stay. 
but find a place to recognize that I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God. And the scripture says that I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you keep thinking you are just natural, then you will struggle. But when you recognize, when you get a revelation that you are superior to the natural because you serve the supernatural living God and He put His power in you, He put His spirit in you, He put Himself in you so that you would walk in victory over all the power of the evil one. This young girl was there, she's 16 years old, manifesting a demon that would make the exorcist look tame. I'm still, like some of the stuff, guys, when you, when you start living in a supernatural way, you have to deal with, it's crazy. They talk with voices, they say all sorts of crazy things, and I don't know what your doctrine is about talking to demons. I consider it rude not to speak if someone's talking to you. But look, you need to make up your own doctrines around speaking with demons. Anyway. But this, 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 uh, this young girl was there and we cast many demons out of her. We said, we said, listen, what right do you have to be in this young girl? And this man voice spoke up and said, blood sacrifice. And we said, what was the sacrifice? And it said, she gave me her baby. This young girl did not have a baby and then sacrifice it. This young girl aborted her baby on the altar of the spirit of the world. The good news is that God's grace runs deep. His love runs deep. And we were able, we were able to be there in that moment as people who recognize we serve a supernatural God a God who's superior to the natural, where this young girl had been plagued by dark demonic forces. We were able to expose the work of the enemy, remove that right and remove that demon so that young girl is living completely free today. I wanna tell you, the enemy will take the landing pads. Don't give him any. Don't live as though he doesn't exist, but live like he does exist, but he's under your feet. Like you have authority because that's the truth of the gospel. You have the power of the gospel inside of you to see the sick healed. You have the power of the gospel in the inside of you to cast demons out. Those things are things that Jesus did. And my Bible says, we to walk like Christ walked. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It says that the apostles went around doing many signs and wonders among the people. It's part of our destiny. Mark 16 says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, speak in other tongues. And it says, go and do these things and these signs will confirm the word that we preach. If we wanna show the world that we serve a real supernatural, super the na- superior to the natural God, then we, His hands and feet, need to start walking in the supernatural. Not as a series, but as the lifestyle of every single believer. You have it in you. You need nothing else. You just need to recognize this. Three things. My three great points for the sermon. One, believe it's possible. Two, believe God chose you to do it. 
free, go and do it. Too many people are educated beyond their point of obedience. We sit there and wanna be so educated and understand. The best education you can get about casting out a demon is casting one out. The second best way is trying to cast one out and having it not leave. Because then you have to go back and say, God, teach me, show me, help me understand that I have authority over this thing. So why is it listening? And God will begin to teach you. He won't just give you information, He'll give you revelation. And when you get it, when you recognize that we are a supernatural people. Supernatural is not just for the movies. You know, I, I love the supernatural in Scripture. I'm not drawn to the supernatural outside of it. Some people are, some people aren't. So some people are like, supernaturals for some people, not for other people. It's not true. God is supernatural, and I'm very interested in God. Jesus is supernatural, and it was important to Him. And if it's important to Jesus, it should be important to me. It should be important to you. We serve a God who can heal the sick. We serve a God who can liberate those who are oppressed. That fear can leave. That depression, the spirit of heaviness, can lift off people's lives. That cancer can be healed. That blind eyes can be healed. That gluten intolerance can be healed. That lactose intolerance can be healed. That diabetes can be healed. That arthritis can be healed. That veganism can be healed. Because we serve a God of the impossible. Do you know, Scripture says, I'm gonna finish with this, maybe the keyboard player can come. Scripture says this, like this is actually in the Bible. Those who don't eat meat are weak. That's, that's what the Scripture says. 100% in the book. Those who eat just vegetables are weak. I'll close with that, let's pray. Hey, look, we're out of time. There's two things I wanna do really quickly. The first one is this. If you are not a Christian tonight, you should be one. It's the best life. It's the life that God gave His Son so that you could have. If you're not a Christian, I don't know why you're here, but I'm glad you are. If you're in this room and you are a Christian, but you know you've walked far away from God, you believe God's rule, but you know you're not living a life that represents the God you say that you serve. We would call it backsliding, turning your back on God. If that's you tonight, you need to repent, the Bible says. To repent is not a big, scary religious word. To repent means if you're going this way, turn around, say you're sorry, and go that way. When you're going this way, you're walking far away from God. We think, how can I ever get back to where I was? We serve a very gracious, good God. And if you're walking far from Him, He's so good that when you turn, He's not waiting for you over there. He'll meet you right here. And He'll link with you and He'll walk the whole way with you. He's amazing. And the third group of you tonight, you don't know if you're saved. Then you need to get sure. I don't wanna make anybody insecure in their salvation. If you saved, you saved. But if you don't know, then you need to know tonight. You need to make a decision that will determine your eternity. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved and no one can ever talk me out of it because no one ever talked me into it. Jesus gave Himself and revealed Himself to me. Tonight, 
I'm telling you, we serve a God who is supernatural, superior to the natural, and the life that you are now living is not even close to what God has for you. If you're one of those three people, first person, you don't know Jesus. Second person, you've walked far from God. Third person, you don't know if you're saved. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three. We don't have time tonight, so I have to race through this. But if that is you, I want everybody in this room just to close your eyes just for a second. If you're one of those three people, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand up high. The Bible says, if you believe in Jesus, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. If that is true, then the opposite is also true. If you do not believe in Jesus, then you will perish and you will spend eternity in hell separate from God. But that is not His plan for your life. The Scripture says He desires that not one would perish, but that all would be saved. In fact, Scripture goes on to say that those who don't believe in Jesus are already condemned which tells me that God didn't send Jesus to come and condemn you to hell. In fact, God sent Jesus to come and give you a way out. He's your Savior today. Don't be afraid of the person next to you, the person in front of you. Who cares what they think? They can't save you. If they're judging you, they're sinning and they need to repent anyway. If you're one of those three people, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand up high and say yes to Jesus. One, two, Three, raise it up high. Great decision, great decision, great decision. Great decision, sweetheart. Who else is there this morning, this evening? Great decision, great decision, great decision. Great decision, great decision, great decision. Great decision, great decision, great decision. Great decision, sweetie. You can put your hands down. If there's anyone else who hasn't raised their hand up already, they want to. I'm gonna wait five more seconds. If that's you, do not miss this moment. Just raise it up high if you haven't, but you want to. Just do it now. Your heart's beating. I know you feel nervous. I know you feel afraid. You should be because you're giving up everything you used to know to follow the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that is no, no, no light matter. So five more seconds. If that's you, raise it up high. Five, four, great decision, sir. Three, great decision. Great decision. Two and a half. Two more seconds. Come on, don't miss this moment. Two. One. Absolutely amazing. You can all look up at me. Tonight, many, many people in this room responded to a supernatural God. Did you know God is superior to the natural in power like I talked about? But do you know where else He's superior to the natural? In His mercy, in His grace, in His ability to forgive your sins, past, present, and future. He is far superior to the natural realm in how He can look at what we've done and cast it aside, the Scripture says, as far as the east is, from the West. In fact, He's so superior to the natural, it says He remembers your sin no more, which means He wipes out His own memory of your sin. That's how supernatural our God is. Tonight, if you raised your hand up high, you made a decision in your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you shall be saved.
tonight, I want us to pray together. If you raised your hand up, this is for you. We're all gonna pray with you. But if you raised your hand, this is you confessing with your mouth. Then tonight you inherit the free gift of salvation. I'm gonna hand the meeting back after I do that. I think there's gonna be some more time for me to do ministry after that if you want prayer for anything from sickness to oppression to whatever it is. I'd love to pray with you. So let's all pray together. Say this, I want you just to lift your heads up towards heaven. The Bible says that we can come boldly into the throne of grace, which means we can look up at our Father now that we belong to Him. So look up towards heaven. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. I ask you, God, to forgive me this day of all my sin. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead in the flesh so that I could be raised to new life with you. From this day forward, I am no longer a sinner. I am a saint. I say no to sin and I say yes to Jesus. I am now a supernatural child of God and I'm never going back in the name of Jesus and all of God's people give Him glory and praise. Come on, let's celebrate tonight for all those decisions tonight.